Blockade and Josh talk about Libra and what it means for the crypto space. Don't tell Mark Zuckerberg you're listening, or your Libra and Facebook accounts will get permanently zucked. You are now orbiting the dark side of the HODL moon. This show is proudly sponsored by Salamantech's point-of-sale devices and software. Tired of all the headaches dealing with cryptocurrency? You don't know what a private key is? You don't want to deal with exchanges? Well, if you're a business and you just want to run your business without thinking about cryptocurrency headaches, look no further than Salamantex. We provide point-of-sale software that allows you to get paid in fiat currency, that's euros, allowing your customers to pay in cryptocurrency, that's BTC, ETH, and a host of others. Dark Side of the Hollow Moon proudly uses the audio services of Eye of the Sound. Beyond the amazing sound production, they've really been a sounding board, pun intended for our show, giving us great customer support and constructive criticism and feedback. So if you want a little bit more personalized attention you're not going to get from a bigger provider, check out iTheSound.com. I'll take a nice Americano, please. And how will you be paying, sir? With Libra. I'm sorry, your Libra account has been permanently banned for wrong think. Please report to the nearest Libra bank for enhanced interrogation. But my life savings were in there, and I have a family. Don't send me to jail. Libra coin, like crypto but inflationary and confiscatable. We rid the world of wrong think and political dissidents, just like Facebook. My name is Mark Zuckerberg. And your Libra account has officially been zucked. And we're back to the Dark Side of the Moon Hodlecast. I'm Blockade, a.k.a. Cade Crypto. And I'm Josh Igo, a.k.a. Josh Igo. <laughs> and today we're talking about um, the big news in crypto, the Libra blockchain project by Facebook. So, um... Let's start off, Josh. Um, you want to give me some brief uh, predictions or thoughts on Libra? Short term, great for freelancers across the developed world. Uh, sorry, developing world. Bad long term for freelancers across the developed world. Um, it's going to have a lot of issues, I think, in the long run. And it basically is going to come down to a clash of different. Uh, pools of labor around the world. I think it's great for capital. If you're a capitalist, then wonderful. You just get uh, more access to labor. But I think in developed countries, it's going to be problematic um, because you have very well-developed economies and also protections for workers in countries like the United Kingdom, Canada, uh, United States even, um, versus many of the other countries around the world. Um, in Asia, in Africa, these protections don't exist. And enabling capital to basically access labor unrestricted in a very kind of laissez-faire capitalist type of way 
with the network effect of, let's say, 4 billion people that Facebook has access to, in the short term, it could be a bit of a bonanza and it would be great for uh, freelancers in the developing world. It would be great for capital in the developed world. But I think in the mid to long term, it would be quite difficult to overcome these social problems that are going to um, arise. So yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, when it comes to regulations and cross-border stuff, I think for regulations it could be good or bad. I think it's kind of too early to tell. Um, I mean, you know, my basic thoughts are, you know, it seems like it's going to be its own currency, maybe like a private version of a central bank that's based off a basket of currencies. I think when it comes to regulation, like you said, I think, you know, it could be banned in some countries. And when it comes to regulation, we don't really know is it going to be good? Is it going to free up um, some of the rules in some places? Or is it going to be more restrictive and give, you know, have more rules be put in place? So I think that's kind of too early to say. Um, but long term, I think if it can handle um, getting legislation passed and not getting regulated out of existence, I think it could be a top 20 um, foreign exchange currency. And um, we have a lot more to talk about. Um, but do you have any um, thoughts on what I just said? Yeah, sure. It will be a massive, massive, uh, let's say, a, a competition to fiat currency. It is a fiat currency, fiat currency being um, faith-based currencies. But when I say competition to another faith-based currency, I mean, it's going to be competition to the pound, the euro, the dollar, the Singapore dollar. And it's going to be a lot more easy for um, participants to use it. Like, there's, they're basically going to be very few barriers to entry apart from having a facebook account are they going to have kyc is it going to be completely um like going down the lines of a bank is, are they going to have to verify people that's going to be an issue in much of the developing world are they going to have some more progressive ways of identifying people i don't know let's see how it plays out yeah. i think it's going to be great for bitcoin in the long run because if you think about the amount of Bitcoin wallets that have been created so far, there's around 35 million wallets that have been created. Mm -hmm. But I personally have, you know, dozens of Bitcoin addresses, some of which are dormant, but they still count as a created address. A yeah, generated yeah. Address. yeah so well, let's let's let's, uh, let's be let's... and say that three point, let's say three and a half. Uh, addresses per pay, per person so that makes it only just around 10 million people that have ever actually um laid their hands on bitcoin in one way shape or another but when you've got the network effect of 4 billion people with access to facebook and let's be conservative again and say two percent of those people really get involved in the cryptocurrency space and use it or explore it that is <clears throat> 80 million people that are going to have this newfound knowledge of cryptocurrency. And it's inevitable that some of those people are going to come full circle back into Bitcoin. So yeah, definitely. I think in the long run, it's great for Bitcoin. Yeah, well, let's, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's take a deep dive in this article I wanted to talk about. Um, um, Caitlin Long had a really good article. She actually did an interview, um, I think, with what Bitcoin did. But I kind of wanted to get um, your take on it and my take on this article. And we can kind of you know, dive deeper into some of the topics on the LibreCoin. So this article has kind of been blowing up. Everyone's been reading it, talking about it. And I kind of wanted to see if uh, you agree or disagree with some of these points. 
So you kind of already mentioned this a, quite a bit. Um, number one is Facebook's cryptocurrency will be a powerful force for good in developing countries. Um, and it just mentions that, you know, some developing countries are notorious for their lack of discipline. I know right now the key one being Venezuela. And um, one point she makes is this cryptocurrency will exert fiscal and monetary discipline on developing nations, which will improve people's lives. So what do you think of that first point? Well, I think that they will go towards a more stable currency, and that would just be inevitable, though. And they're already going into Bitcoin, despite it being quite difficult for the layman to understand, honestly, still. And when you've got something right uh, in your face, which is Facebook, that everybody has on their phone or their computer already, it's quite easy to sign up to an account. I think it's going to be inevitable that people will use this. And, of course, they don't want to have to fight against this hyperinflation that they've been fighting for a long time because of the socialist government that they've got there. So I don't think this is a crazy prediction. I think this is quite straightforward. It's very logical that um, citizens of countries that are experiencing hyperinflation would <laughs> prefer to go towards a stable currency of sorts and in a very straightforward fashion. So having something very straightforward and simple as uh, Facebook offering this, let's call it a service or a fiat competitor, it's it's going to be a massive win for those people in those economies because then they can finally properly interact in the economy, which they can't yeah, properly do now. Definitely. I think, um, yeah, I mean, and also, too, I mean, this Libra token, there's already other currencies that are already doing this. In Venezuela, um, Bitcoin Cash and Dash, they're already seeing like pretty heavy adoption. So, yeah, I totally agree with you there. I think it's pretty much a no brainer. Um, let's, uh, hop on to the next point. Um, and I think this one's pretty interesting and one I want to spend a little bit more time on. So Facebook will pay interest to the holders of its cryptocurrency, and this will eventually lead to populist calls to repeal corporate sub subsidies to banks at the heart of the U S banking system. So they're saying that, you know, if Facebook keeps all the interest, um, people are going to be pretty upset about it, protesting it, um, and if you don't know how the U.S. banking system works right now, if you um, hold money in, in uh, if a bank holds money in their account, they draw 2.35% interest just for not lending it out. So, um, so, yeah, they're either going to give interest to the people who hold the Libra token, or if they don't, um, she predicts big protests. And just one addendum I want to add is, according to the Libra white paper, they're not going to give out interest. So um, she's kind of predicting opposite of what the white paper is currently saying. So you want to give me your take on that? Yeah, I think that she's coming from a very uh, American-centric perspective. I honestly don't think that the vast majority of Americans, <laughs> apart from just having a kind of a, a glancing interest in Facebook because it's in the headlines, will really have the need or desire to use a Facebook coin. And I think that Facebook and Libra know that. So that's why they're targeting non-US, non-developed countries initially at first. Yeah, like so we I talked about the third world, you know, start with the third world. And then, you know, we don't really have as much of a need for it here, right? Yeah. So I honestly don't think that, Let's. well, maybe her prediction could play out over 10 to 15 years, but I think in the short term, I don't think that there's going to be any massive riots or upheaval because 
Facebook <clears> is not paying interest on LibreCoin from an American's perspective. And I don't yeah. think that Americans are going to really go and, let's say, go to the heart of the U.S. banking system and, and complain and then re repeal corporate subsidies. I think yeah. that that's a bit idealistic on her behalf. That would require like a massive awakening that, frankly, I don't see happening in the United States. Yeah, and I... Yeah, and I think too, you know, I think it's as long as they can avoid U.S. regulations, you know, you know, they're based out of Switzerland and they are going to target the third world. So, yeah, I think you're right. As long as they can avoid, um, you know, the U.S. or some other country cracking down on them, you're probably right. I don't think it's going to be much of an issue. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, though, at least for the U.S., is there's the securities law. And maybe you could talk a little bit about the European side. But um, if they do uh, pay interest, then, you know, the way the law is now, it's technically a security. It's a regulatory issue. And if they don't pay interest, um, it's not a security. And then they'll pocket all the money. And that looks like what's going to likely happen. Um, do you have any take on that? No, not really. I don't have a big take on it right now because I just want to see how it actually looks in six months. I don't want to make um, too many guesses because I think that they're going to be very nimble in their approach. They're going to be flexible in terms of where they roll it out. They're going to basically be compliant with many of the laws is what I predict. They're going to follow U.S. legislation when they're um, operating within the United States. They're going to follow EU regulation when they're in the EU. Mm -hmm. When it comes to places in Asia and Africa, I think that those places are more mm -hmm. malleable in terms of being able to influence certain key decision makers in those countries. Um, so. I would say let's just wait and see. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to uh, the third point. Um, Facebook's foundation will grow to garner big power in global capital markets. And maybe maybe I'll take this one first. Um, basically, um, she's kind of arguing, and other people have argued as well, that um, this Libra is going to be asset-backed based on, you know, the dollar, the euro, you know, a basket of different currencies. And um, they're going to have huge control in capital markets. And they're actually, if it, if it really blows up and, you know, you know, you've got, you know, millions, hundreds of millions of people using the token, they could actually affect the price of currencies, you know, because if they dump hundreds of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of euros, that could even, uh, you know, affect um, the currency markets. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. Um, so, you know, that could be a force for good or, you know, they, you know, they could do some potentially um, troubling things with that power. What do you think about that? Yeah, honestly, I think that it's scaring the um, daylights out of, scaring the living daylights out of the developed economies, really. Um, you can already see that the way that they are reacting in the United <laughs> States <clears throat> Senator Maxine Waters saying that we need an inquiry and we need to prevent this. The French have said no. They don't like yeah. the idea. Yeah, I mean, not only developing countries, they're definitely scaring developing countries. They're scaring developed countries. Yeah, I think um, France, they wanted to regulate it like an hour after the news broke, right? Yeah, and to be honest, I can completely sympathize with that position that they have because uh, when you look back to... People that were against GATT, for example, uh, or the World Trade Organization, or basically the harmonization of the global culture and the global economy, 
um, globalization that we've experienced since the late 80s through the 90s, really accelerating in the 2000s. And now we live in fairly integrated, globalized world. Um, people like James Goldsmith in in the early 90s were completely uh, convinced that this would cause massive social problems. And in many respects, they've been proven right in a small scale. If you look at Brexit, for example, in the United Kingdom, um, you had massive movement of uh, labor into the United Kingdom from, let's say, poor Eastern European countries as a response to like the harmonization of economies. And I think it's caused a, a certain amount of upheaval. And then if you look at the NAFTA agreement in the United States with Canada and Mexico, along with um, America, that caused a lot of problems in terms of the manufacturing um, industries in Canada, as well as the Rust Belt of the United States. And it caused a lot of social problems, which you know Trump really appealed to in uh, by and large in very in, in large respects that has the similarities between brexit and trump in in some respects i think that this further like um globalization of the economy through basically a private corporation is going to accelerate that social upheaval further and it's going to have unintended consequences the likes of which that we've never seen before um so I can completely understand why some of the developed countries are just like, whoa, whoa, slow down. Let's think about this a little bit more because um, I think it's great. I love capitalism. So as a, mm-hmm. as a capitalist, I think it's a great idea fundamentally. But as someone who's uh, being pragmatic and then seeing what is likely to happen based on what's previously happened in the past, I think it's quite likely that it's going to have some unintended consequences, which we haven't really considered, and one of which being social upheaval. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, you know, if through the Libra coin, you know, some of these de- uh, developing countries are going to be competing with developed countries, and that's not going to make um, you know the people in the middle class and the lower middle class very very happy because they're going to be able to compete with them and. Um, charge a lower rate um so i think that's going to be an issue um yeah i mean if you're a laser fire free market capitalist you can say well the market will correct itself quickly and then that le- that uh <coughs> that labor in in uh, developed economies can go elsewhere but in reality it's very difficult for that to happen when you've got such a regulated economy in the developed economies so unless the whole world goes and cap which I doubt it will, then it's going to cause some problems. Yeah, but it's but it's hard to regulate the internet. Um, you know, I think you know for some things, you know, what whatever you're doing, you know, there's so many services you can offer online, and things are being outsourced. Uh, call center, um, you know, teaching English. You know, someone in the Philippines is going to charge a lower rate than someone in the UK. So I think it could lead to like way wage. Um, wage stagnation um in the developed world and yeah. um and how as far as it's gonna how, how it's gonna pan out regulatorily you know it's hard to say i mean 
it took Korea quite a while to uh, stop Uber. They finally cracked down on them, but for a while they were just operating illegally and they couldn't stop it. So, you know, can, you know, will they regulate it? Probably. Can they stop it? Who knows? It's kind of a thing we we'll have to wait and see. I think. Well, yeah. Um, now, Korea is an interesting example mm-hmm. because you know it's a very homogenous society. Most people that live in South Korea are. You know, ethnically Korean. Ninety-eight percent of the population are ethnically Korean, and you know they're quite skeptical of uh, foreign influence. They want to keep things as national as possible, but not in a nationalized socialist sense, but more in the kind of um, I don't want to say the word, but like fascist sense, which is the state working very closely with big corporations. Um, and that's where you've got the chain Yeah, sure. Uh, the yeah. government working so that, closely with... a different discussion. Yeah. The, but um, anyway, that's how they could get rid of Uber because they're big, the big companies that have influence that are Korean within the Korean market were basically like this foreign entities taking a piece of the pie. Let's just close them out. You can still get um, Uber Black in mm-hmm. Korea, which is, which is nice. You can get the, um, you know, the higher end... You can get the Mercedes. You can yeah, the but they basically A-Nap. cracked down on it and made a Korean copy of it. But anyways, let's hop into the next yeah. topic because this kind of talk kind of ties into what we we're already talking about with regulation. So, Facebook will face regulatory number four. Facebook will face regulatory uncertainty, which will shed light on many outdated financial regulations in the process. And um, one thing she said is, will users face the absurdity of needing a U.S. brokerage account to buy a cup of coffee with it? So <laughs> right now, um, you know, there's every country is different. Um, but basically in the U.S., if you want to follow the letter of the law um, um, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, there's a bunch of places that offer that you can, you know, go to restaurants and hotels with uh, Bitcoin Cash and Dash and a few others. But according to U.S. law. If you bought Bitcoin Cash at $300 and it goes up to $310 and then you pay $10 for a couple beers, you're supposed to log that as a capital gains because the value of your Bitcoin Cash went up between the time you bought it and the time you you used it. So, you know, basically that makes it impossible to use it as a functional currency without being in fear of being non-compliant. So you've got this crazy issue in the U.S., and then you've got other places where it's not a big deal at all. Um, you know, in Japan, you're seeing a lot of Bitcoin cash adoption with uh, Roger Veer and Bitcoin.com, and you can just go into a bar or restaurant and, you know, just you know get out your wallet and, uh, you know, buy some sake or something. So um, I'm really – I have mixed feelings about this one. Um it's you know could it change all the regulations? I think it could be really good, and just oh you know Bitcoin Cash is you know can be accepted all over the world or Dash or Libra, or you know Monero, Grin, whatever. Um, but I also mm. think it could be really bad because um, like you said, developed countries, developing countries, a lot of people are scared of cryptocurrency because you can't just print it ad nauseum whenever you feel like it. Um, what do you what do, what do you think? Well, I've got a couple of thoughts on, on this, really. Is it a security? Well, it depends on which legal jurisdiction you're in. But basically, this 
goes back to a kind of uh, political slash economics argument, which is many people in the United States seem to believe that the U.S. is like a completely deregulated free market or something like that. But this proves in like very simple terms that it's one of the most regulated markets in the world. And so is uh, so are most of the capital markets throughout the developed um, world and the UK included. There are like millions of paragraphs of of basically uh, like US banking and financial regulations that have already been put in place over a number of years. And that only uh, really accelerated even further post the financial pressure of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, 2007 2008 with the subprime mortgage mortgages so it's kind of like um it's it's shedding a light on something that many people don't really quite grasp yet that we've we've got to the state of where we are thanks to like massive amount of regulation <laughs> that we actually have we don't really have the, like this free market economy as let's say some of the people in uh, in the left believe um so i don't really know where to go with it in terms of the united states i think that united states is not going to be really impacted by this facebook libra coin for a number of years especially the way that the politics is going right now i don't think that it's necessary it's not going to be anything other than a talking point right now mm-hmm yeah, Maybe I, in 10 years, it might be different, but I don't think it's going to affect the US dollar whatsoever. Yeah, and you know that, um, you know, you know, the Libra Foundation or Facebook, you know, they talked to government regulators before they rolled this thing out. So I'm pretty sure they probably have pre-approval. So I don't think it's going to be an issue. And yeah, as far as, um, you know, the regulations... Yeah, I mean, the U.S. used to be, you know, number one as far as the most capitalistic. And we've just been sliding down farther and farther down the list. Um, I think, you know, we're probably in the, you know, late, you know, ranking is probably like in the teens. Or I think it's even like what I thought it was maybe like 25th in the world as far as the most capitalistic. I think Hong Kong and Singapore are way up there. And also places Ireland. that people think are very socialist like some places in scandinavia are more capitalist than the u.s when it comes to regulations and i know we talked about this before during the ico madness but almost i the almost all the icos said anyone can invest except for americans so uh yeah we definitely got some regulatory um burdens yeah. here that you know other places don't have the power of the sec than the power of the united states um, no one wants to really mess around with the government and they've got a lot of power and fair enough. So I think you know, Facebook, yeah, they but definitely you know, have lobbied and questioned the US uh, or people within the administration. However, I think that's why they position themselves in Switzerland so that they, again, can play that jurisdiction kind of game where you hop to wherever yeah. treats you best. Yeah, but, I don't think yeah. that they're going to really go in the United States very strongly apart from it's just going to be a lot of media coverage. Yeah. Well, the US may have uh, power, but you know what else has power, Josh? Go on, Tana. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, it does. It has, it has a decent amount of power and it's definitely gaining traction. And I think that things like this definitely actually help 
Bitcoin in the long run. Um, the average person still doesn't really quite grasp what Bitcoin is. And I think that having this in their faces on the mainstream in terms of a big company like Facebook going down the crypto avenue is going to be helpful in a couple of years when people realize, oh, this is a centralized currency, very much like our existing fiat currency. There's nothing backing it apart from faith. What about Bitcoin? How does that work? And then they'll go down that, you know, that rabbit hole and and discover how it works. And that's going to be fascinating when that happens. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, a lot of people think that Libra is going to kind of be like the gateway drug to, uh, you know, all the other cryptos. Well, it's going to be a catalyst, I think. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, let's uh, jump into point number five. It's um, kind of similar to um, point number four. Um, Facebook's regulatory reporting program will open all kinds of interesting discussions. Um, you mentioned earlier when we did the preview about KYC. So Facebook is planning to provide more stringent forms of identity verification and fraud detection than most cryptocurrencies. So that doesn't sound very private. Although in the white paper, I think it says they're trying to be pseudo anonymous. So, you know, how is that going to affect, you know, things like data privacy, financial privacy, and, you know, some more U.S. centric things that we've been talking about here, uh, like overseas asset reporting, tax compliance and all that stuff. So yeah, this, um, is very, this is where it gets pretty, I would say, sinister. In, in a sense yeah exactly so you know is it going to be pseudo anonymous or is it going to give uh officials the ability to trace monitor and analyze you know every dollar spent or every yeah, libra so coin spent you know this is this is the you know, problem this is when the, they say they've got yeah this is the like <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, this is the yeah, we're gonna well I mean we, we can hop in and back back and forth. This is the Orwellian nightmare, which like where everything's on the blockchain, you know, there's no way of doing anonymous transactions. This is like the nightmare scenario, right? Well, yeah, when they say stringent forms of identity verification, so are they gonna do like full KYC? Or am I gonna scan my fingerprint? Do I have to do a retina scan? What does that mean? And then when you think about cash. It should be basically anonymous. That's how cash works. Yeah. Um, you know, when you've got a, a, a $10 bill, you can just give it to someone else. No one knows where that is. And yeah, it's having this digital, yeah, this digital uh, footprint of where you've been and what you've spent, mm. it's more like China than it is America. To be yeah. Honest. Yeah. Well, I think, so. yeah, you'll have to do fingerprints, iris scan. You know, Josh will probably have to chip you, put a little uh, RFID tracker in you. <laughs> yeah, so it's quite, that's the concerning thing. Um, but then again, this seems like it's just a way to kind of appease what is a quite regulated um, U.S. financial system. You yeah. know, they, if they want to play ball in the United States, then they have to do these things. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of concerning i'm not a big fan of that aspect of it i think that that's going to turn more people into fans of decentralized currencies like uh, or decentralized digital assets like Bitcoin. yeah and actually that was the point i kind of wanted to bring up here is that uh, you know we've been talking about libra coin because of our interest in finance and also our interest in crypto that's what the show is about so 
Um, when it comes to these issues, potential issues with LibreCoin, I think we should talk about um, cryptocurrencies that don't do these things. You know, like um, I'm a big fan of Bitcoin Cash and Dash and Monero and maybe even some of the, even some of the smaller tokens that are kind of more privacy based. So. Um, what do you think are the use cases for those and what are the advantages and the reasons that people are so hot on some of these tokens? You know, Monero is supposed to be pretty private and Bitcoin Cash, there's coin mixers now. So it's pretty much impossible to trace it. Um, that is the fungible digital currency that, you know, can't be traced. Yeah, I mean, that's very exciting for people that believe in free markets and people believe in freedom and people that believe in liberty um but it's also terrifying for governments and because they can be used for nefarious purposes too let's be honest it can be used for uh, illegal activities if we look at uh silk road that's a great example where people thought that bitcoin was this anonymous cash but actually it's a public ledger fellas so mm-hmm. it was actually worse they once they've identified you as having ownership of that account, then it became um, basically incontrovertible that you were the person responsible for all of the transactions. Yeah, that came but, but that, that account. that's true so, for, um, you know, as far as being used for nefarious ter- uh, purposes, you know, um, the amount of um, crypto that's used for nefarious purposes pales in comparison to um dollars that are used for nefarious purposes, you know, just cash dollars that are used for nefarious purposes. And also an issue, you know, one peop- thing that, you know, I'm not a big fan of and are banks. And there have been several giant banks that have been given multi-billion dollar fines for financing terrorists and, you know, drug kingpins in the South America. And they're just banking, using the banking system and paying off bribes or something. And they're they're using, you know, the dollar, the euro and other currencies for nefarious purposes. And that, you know, pales in comparison to the small amount that Bitcoin's used for nefarious things. Right. Yeah, sure. I'm not saying that the only use case for cryptocurrency is, uh, you know, illicit things, but it is a use case. And that's what makes uh, governments concerned because they can't they literally cannot shut down your. Uh, account whereas they can close your bank account that's the difference so i'm i'm interested to see what happens with this facebook coin i think it's going to be a massive enlightenment along the along the next uh, three to five years i think it's going to cause some social problems like i've mentioned but also Mm -hmm. think it's going to create some great innovation and it's going to create some uh some new industries and it's going to actually open up capital markets uh to lots of new labor and it's going to be really good for developing economies especially in the short term so i'm excited to see where it goes i think that lots of these um outsourcing sites that you have um like upwork they might adopt it as their like de facto currency rather than having um us dollars or going through paypal like they currently do because it'd just be a lot simpler with that with lower fees and that's better for both parties yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think, yeah. too, um, you know, there's a couple big things in crypto. And one is um, bank the unbanked. You know, I think there's, you know, one, you know, 1. 1.8 billion people that don't have a bank account. 
And pretty soon your bank account's going to be on your computer, on your smartphone, or maybe you'll have a little uh, ledger that you can plug into your phone. But yeah, I mean, I think pe- a lot of people are just going to leapfrog the banks the way in the third world, a lot of people, you know, leapfrogged, you know, landline telephone lines, they went from no phone to having a cell phone. So I think it could be a good onboarding for people that don't have a bank account. Um, you know, a lot of times when I traveled through, uh, you know, Cambodia, Myanmar, Laos, no one had a bank account. They just had cash and like their savings account was like a cow. So this is going to be, I think, huge. And another thing in crypto is unbank the banked. You know, I think we're going to see a transition away from banks to more of a crypto based transaction economy, I guess. Yeah. We are. Um, we're going to see people that are productive workers going to be embracing this because they're going to be able to keep all of the fruits of their labor. It's not going to be subject to arbitrary taxation. Um, you're going to see lots of innovation. You're going to see lots of entrepreneurial activities in, uh, in developing economies. I think that's wonderful. I think it's always good to have capitalism spreading across the world in as free a form as possible. It's going to bring about... Um, a rising of living standards in the places where this happens, which can only be a good thing, honestly. Um, I think that the biggest problem is going to be the developed economies where you've got the underemployed or you've got the entitled that are used to living in developed economies and they're used to being, I'm from America, I'm from the United Kingdom, I deserve a certain standard of living, but they haven't really got anything to compete against the rest of the world with they don't have the competitive skills and they've relied on the government to help them the government is going to have to do this like balancing act that's going to become nearly impossible to pull off which is continuously support the people that are not uh, necessarily contributing as much as they they could um with people that are entrepreneurial and innovative are going to go away from the traditional banking system so therefore they're not going to be taxed so the government's not going to have the revenue in order to support the people that can't compete because they're going to be using alternative currencies like uh, let's say libra coin but then they're going to once they've been i don't know red pilled or introduced to cryptocurrency puritism then it, uh, we're going to see like uh, people using bitcoin bitcoin cash litecoin dash for their economic activities and just doing it in a peer-to-peer direct sense they don't need the government saying yeah great i need 20 percent of that thanks very much yeah i think that's where i see the problems coming you know and i'm a big fan of capitalism so i've been quite pessimistic on this first podcast i guess it's because i can foresee what's going to happen like a lighthouse in the future um it's almost inevitable that this is going to happen um but i think in the long term if you look at look at it from a utilitarian point of view as in the greatest good for the greatest number of people then it's definitely going to be great overall for the world yeah Um, yeah yeah. Um, well i think too like i read that um libra is going to be listed on exchange that seems listed on exchanges that seems pretty obvious so people are going to be able to onboard and offboard their libra for the cash in their country or for different cryptocurrencies and yeah, as far as when it comes to free trade versus protectionism, 
you know, I'm kind of a free trade guy myself. So, yeah, if it, you know, if the tides are rising in the third world, you know, it's going to put a little pinch on people in the first world. So, so yeah, you're going to have to be an entrepreneur. You're going to have to have some sort of values or skills that you can bring to the economy because you're going to be competing with everyone else all over the world. Um, so. Yeah. That's true. And let, let's not forget, let's uh, be completely realistic here. Like the US um, does print a lot of money, um, but the only reason it hasn't gone into like, or then one of the big reasons it hasn't gone into hyperinflation is that it's the petrodollar. And also they've got the, they've got the US military. Anyone that wants to mess with paying for um, oil in dollars gets a nice knock on the door from Uncle Sam and his uh, and his friends. It's kind yeah. of so when you've got this kind of peaceful revolution going on, where people can opt out of the traditional monetary system just through individual decisions, just choosing to use something mm -hmm. else, mm -hmm. and it can't be controlled by a central authority, which is what the you know Bitcoin is. That's what the vision of it is, and that's why the cryptocurrencies that don't have that core element of decentralization at the very foundation will ultimately not really last as cryptocurrencies. I think that Facebook coin is not really positioning itself as a cryptocurrency, to be honest. It's just positioning itself as fintech um the use yeah. of cryptographic technology. Yeah, it's like, it's it's like a slightly really, better version of, of PayPal or Venmo or something. Yeah, it's not really a ideologically pure cryptocurrency. The same thing could be said for Ripple. The same thing could be said for many cryptocurrency projects that are too heavily centralized um, that just want to get in on the act. I think the fact that Facebook is getting in is is really interesting. It's yeah, that's why. Let, let me hop in it. here. I want to I want to respond to what you said before about the the U.S. dollar. Um, yeah, the U.S. dollar. Yeah, it is the petrodollar. So all the oil contracts have to be settled in dollars. And you kind of alluded to it. You know, some people think Gaddafi was taken out because he wanted to have a gold-backed currency in a few other places as well. And yeah, I mean, reserve currencies usually last about a hundred years. I think the uh, British pound lasted about a hundred years, and we're at about a hundred years. Or it's still about. Over. Yeah, we're about about 100 years or slightly over now. And yeah, I think one thing is, you know, um, a lot of countries would were buying or were buying government bonds like China has billions of dollars worth of U.S. dollars. So they can't really dump it on the market. Otherwise, they're kind of losing a lot of money. And yeah, it's the global reserve currency. It's been like that for a long time. And Another reason why is because other countries are printing just as much money. Um, there aren't a lot, even though the U.S. prints a lot of dollars, other countries are just printing as much. But, you know, when they dump these um, government bonds to other countries, it's kind of like the U.S. is kind of using it as its own like little credit card. So it can't last forever, that's for sure. Yeah, it can't last forever, but... All of these fiat currencies, in theory, can't last forever. I mean, they're mathematically impossible to ever get back to being square. The whole world's living on debt. So I think it's it's going to require a massive paradigm shift for that to change. And um, I think that Facebook coin is going to be one of those catalysts to bring about that paradigm shift. So 
Is it a good thing? Probably in the long term, if you look at the overall uh, big picture, would it be a good thing to end um, complete dependence on debt-based money? Maybe, maybe not. But I think that the United States is um, is kind of immune from in inflation in the way that other countries are prone to inflation, especially hyperinflation. It's because yeah. people actually want to move to the United States. It has good mm. institutions. It's got a um, great constitution. Let's be real. It's the, probably the best political document that's ever been mm-hmm. created. Of course, it has to be amended um, as times change and things go on, but it has the best balance of power between the different areas of government. It creates this great melting pot of uh, people that are all united by you know, aspirational goals. I think that that's really good. I think that that's why the U.S. dollar is going to be safe from all of this, because if you look at the the contrast is even big economies with huge numbers of people like China, um, they don't have the same faith in their own system, because as soon as they can get wealthy, they're out of there. Yeah, I mean, they're dumping their money in U.S. and Canadian real estate and uh, I think even some London real estate. Um, Yeah, I mean, the U.S. dollar... Um, it's still, I mean, you're right. It's not as inflationary as other currencies, but even the U S dollar inflates at about one to 2% a year. And some people think it's even more than that. But yeah, when I think back to what things cost 10 years ago and what they cost now, um, it's still inflating. And even at one or 2%, you know, it really eats away at your money for any kind of saver. That's why you got to hop into the stock market or, going to gold or these days going to crypto you know that's really even in good places like the uk uh the uk or the eurozone or the us those are the best currencies and even they still inflate compared to cryptos which really don't you know well yeah currencies have to inflate anyway that's the way that they work so that they can uh, people are encouraged to spend so you don't want to have the problem where which we do have with bitcoin let's be honest like people that hesitant to spend it because it's deflationary they think if i just hold on to this then you know it might be worth a bit more tomorrow so i'm gonna put off my spending so that's the difference between currency and something like a store of value and that's probably a discussion we could have a different day we should get one of our guests on to talk about that in more detail there's a few really smart um people that we know that we could have on the show and discuss that yeah crypto Crypto and economics and how crypto and fiat relate together could be definitely a whole show or a whole series of shows. So let's, uh, let's hop on to the last point then. Sure. Um, number six, Facebook's cryptocurrency will turn out in the end to be a Trojan horse that benefits Bitcoin. And I think we kind of already talked about this, but you have any other additional comments or thoughts? Yeah, that's um, it's an interesting use of language, Trojan horse. I don't think it's a Trojan horse. I think what they're trying to do is um, has merit, actually. But it will probably not work out as they intended. So, yeah, it will benefit Bitcoin in the long run. It will benefit any decentralized uh, project in the long run. It will bring about a kind of paradigm shift that has been um, long needed, I, I would say, across the world about what fiat money is, what value is, what the exchange of value between people is. How we create wealth, it's not from taxing rich people, it's through innovation and creating uh, creating wealth through um, taking a risk 
that's how anything grows. And um, I think it's going to be great for that argument. It's going to be really interesting to see very heavily socialized countries uh, like Venezuela flock to this new currency. And it's going to prove that, you know, capitalism wins again, essentially. Um, so that's where I'd leave it there, really. I think it will take a while for it to to filter down into the Bitcoin ecosystem. But once it does, wow, the floodgate's going to be open. And that's where you're going to see those huge predictions coming true for the uh, fiat price of Bitcoin. So one Bitcoin is always going to be one Bitcoin, but one Bitcoin might be, say, $50,000, $100,000, not, uh, not too far in the future. Uh, Josh, are you hodling Bitcoin? I'm not hodling uh, anything, actually. I don't really like to hodl too much for too long. I do like to, let's say, dip in and out for a period of months, but I don't just buy and hold forever. I think you can look at trends and you can say, okay, it's clearly going to be um, a period where it's going down. Let's let's switch over into USDT and... Um, and then when you think that the trends are switch uh, shifted, then you you know switch back into your cryptocurrency of choice. I think I've seen too many people just hodling without thinking. So you've got to do a bit of both: hodl, but use your brain too. Yeah, yeah. I have I have a, a hodl stash that I don't touch. But yeah, I kind of you know dip in and out when I see uh, you know oh it's like gone parabolic. Maybe I'll take some profits and buy back in on the retracement but sometimes i worry yeah. about missing missing big jumps but uh that's a whole nother topic well yeah let's let's talk about the future show some of the topics that we want to go over in the future so um we want to talk about crypto trading obviously Definitely. So that'd be a good that'd be a good thing that we could talk about things that we look for when we're making a call or we're deciding to buy or sell i think um i prefer to do it in a way that is um, not so technical, but it's just based on common sense. When it mm -hmm. does go when it goes, uh, you know, parabolic, and it's just a vertical graph upwards, mm -hmm. it can sustain that way. So that's the mm -hmm. time you take profits. Exactly right. But we can get into this um, at length in a different show. And then we want to talk about what's the, what are the other topics we want to talk about? Okay. Yeah, I think um, I have a few more things I want to talk about with Libra. But yeah, we could talk about crypto mining. Um, I think some stuff for beginners like crypto security, how to store your stuff in a wallet offline. Um, I think yeah. we should talk. I think we should talk about different um, crypto projects, even some of the bigger projects. You don't really hear shows about them like dash or cardano what's new with ethereum um, actually i could get some of the dash guys on because um the dash community in europe is really really strong mm -hmm. and the company i'm working with now is called salamantex and they you know they've integrated dash onto their their device and the community of dash is quite passionate about actually using dash as cash so mm -hmm. That would be an interesting project. I could get some of their thought leaders on, some of their community leaders. Yeah, today. and I would love That's to talk cool. about a comparison, uh, compare and contrast different, you know, cryptocurrencies. You know, whether that's Dash, Monero, Bitcoin Cash, ones that are actually used to transact for value. I think would be pretty interesting. But yeah, we're gonna have a whole list of shows every week. Um, I think the way I'd like to end the show is. Um,
I was maybe going to give um, my final thoughts, like, you know, how Libra is positive, how it's negative, and best case scenarios and worst case scenarios. And maybe I think I'll go first and I'll let you uh, have the last word today. All right, then. Go ahead. Yeah. So I think the positives are like the last point mentioned. I think it can be kind of a Trojan horse or a gateway drug into the crypto community. People are going to be looking at, oh, what's Libra and how does it relate to these other cryptocurrencies? I think that's going to be huge. And I also think it's going to make people think more about fiat currency and economics and how currencies work. You know, what is inflation? Is inflation good? How much inflation, you know, can uh, currency handle before it gets out of control? Um, it's going to have no transaction cost, apparently. So I think that's pretty positive. Um, I also think it could be, it's not going to be, you're not going to hodl Libra and, you know, go to the moon. But I think it could be another, <clears throat> you know, pseudo stable coin. So I think those are the positives. And I think it's going to um, also maybe not so for me, but in the third world, it's going to, allow people to kind of have their own little crypto bank on their iPhone or their Samsung Galaxy phone. Um, the negatives are, you know, the white paper, even the technical white paper didn't really have a lot of info. I think it could be traceable. It could be confiscatable. Um, apparently, they're going to burn and mint Libra to keep it stable. So I don't know how that's going to work. And it's not really a true cryptocurrency. It's kind of I think initially it's going to be a, like a permissioned thing and they kind of want to transition to permissionless, but we're not going to see how that works until it it gets rolled out. Um, so I think best case scenario is it's a, it's a decent stable coin. And so its value um, is going to be stable or even maybe better than major fiat currencies and it'll be pseudo anonymous. I think worst case scenario is, you know, it's going to track all the users, buyers, sellers, and it's going to be just as inflationary as the basket it's backed by. So if it's backed with dollars and euros and a basket of um, Asian currencies, if those are inflationary, Libra is going to be just as in- as inflationary. So it's not going to really allow people to um, keep it as a store of value. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And why don't you give me your thoughts? Well, yeah, I agree with much of what uh, you said. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting for entrepreneurs. I think that you're going to see a race to be the first place to uh, like legislate positively towards this Libra coin. So I think Switzerland is where the foundation is based. If Switzerland is going to be embracing this, then I think you'll see lots of companies setting up shop in Switzerland in order to take advantage of this. Like I personally would look into that and think about how we could um, leverage that legal framework in order to actually, you know, be an entrepreneur and, um, and make money from this because you do have a massive amount of people that are willing to um, basically work. And if they're, if they're going to accept uh, Libra coin as the payment, then let's embrace it. Let's go for it. So then, that's the positive side. It's going to bring innovation. The negatives I've already touched on. It's going to cause some kind of um, upheaval in developed countries for, let's say, the the underemployed, the people that are dependent on the government. That's going to be an issue. That's going to be one of the big legal um, 
problems that we have to wrangle with, and that's how the government is going to deal with that. It's going to be a big problem. Um, basically, it's it is a blockchain, but it's let's call it let's call it a, a programmable database that's validated by nodes, but the nodes are, are private. And um, you need to pay to play to get into this uh, position of being a, a validator or one of these nodes. I think Visa have got involved. Some of the big uh, players have got involved. Uber's involved, I believe. So then that comes to the question, because you can actually change transactions in a blockchain. You can switch change. You can look, if you look at what happened to Ethereum and Ethereum Cash, uh, sorry, Ethereum and Ethereum Classic, um, if you look at what happened there, where Ethereum decided to basically rewrite the chain because they didn't like what happened, um, they made an error in the code. So, what happens in that case where you have like these big players being able to reverse transactions in a sense? Because that can be possible. It's a programmable database that has uh, certain nodes that are validators, and these nodes are like big, private, powerful corporations. That is a slippery slope, I think. That's a negative. Um, but I'd rather focus on the positive. The positives are going to be massive. As an entrepreneur, I think I can see employing people all across the world using LibraCoin, especially in the very near term, like within one year of it being launched, it being embraced by millions of people and opening up new, um, new uh, labor to capital. That's going to be brilliant. So those are my thoughts on it. I think in the long run, after five, 10 years, uh, Bitcoin will still be standing and the people that have fully grasped all of the things that we've talked about today will inevitably go towards a decentralized uh, option. Yeah, I think so too. I think Libra could be really useful. And I think um, in the long term, I think Dash and Bitcoin Cash and a few of these legit cryptocurrencies are going to flatten out and people won't feel the need to hodl them. So I think that's going to just happen with time. Um, but yeah, I think we pretty much hit on every topic we want to talk about. Um, I think we're going to have a little comment section where people can give their thoughts, their comments, their feedback, give any ideas for future episodes you want to see. And we have a YouTube, we have a Twitter, we're going to get a discord. So we're definitely want to interact with the community. I hold, uh, in-person crypto meetup every other week in Providence, Rhode Island. If you're in the, if you're in the area. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Thanks for uh, hosting today, Cade. Um, I'm going to be joining you regularly for these shows. Let's try and get some interesting guests on through our network. I've got an extensive network in Asia. I'm based in Korea. If you're ever in, uh, in Korea, if you come to Seoul, Korea, then hit me up. We can meet up and talk crypto. Mm -hmm. And um, if you want to talk about any other exciting opportunities please message um Cade and myself and we can discuss further yeah definitely it's a little bit late here i'm in the u.s on my uh, third beer and i think josh is drinking some coffee there in uh, seoul and gangnam just chilling and yeah that'll do it for us today uh it was great talking to my co-host josh igo and i'm blockade aka the hot model until next time see you guys on the dark side of the huddle moon Thank you for joining us on Dark Side of the Hollow Moon. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Also, be sure to join our Telegram group, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and follow us on BitChute and YouTube where you can find all the episodes as well as highlights from previous episodes. You can also visit us 
at darksideofthehodlemoon.com. Hodlemoon!